0: He probably came into this room and realized that some people are wearing the same shirt. That's right, the same shirt. This is our our Harvest Fest. is coming up this Friday, and I am so excited to be a part of this Harvest Fest because it represents so much to Christ's legacy, being able to welcome our community into our house, into the Lord's house, and be able to allow them to see that we love them, we care for them, We care for their families, and we have something for them that is going to help them make sense of this this time that we're living in. Because we need to make sense of this. And the only way that we can make sense of the day and age that we live in is through the lens that Scripture offers and the hope that we have in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Can I tell you the truth? That things are not falling apart. They are coming together together. Amen. Would you stand with me for the reading of his word this morning? Hallelujah. If you would turn with me to John chapter 4. You can turn there. You can push the button to turn it on. You can follow us in the Bible app. You go to events and whenever it pops up with the map, you just select Christ's legacy. You can see it. Or you can have your hands by your side and read off the board because it's going to be up there too. But no matter how you read this morning, I want you to get this in your spirit because it says in verse 34, Then Jesus explained, My nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. You know the saying, four months between planting and harvest. But I say, wake up and look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest. Heavenly Father, I pray God that you would put your word into our heart, illuminate our life, and help us to understand it and apply it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Before you're seated, I want you to turn to three or four people and look them in the eye and tell them the harvest is now. Amen. You may be seated in his presence. You know, one of the most difficult things about our Christian experience is is simply this. We can be so conceptual on Sunday mornings, but then when we really get down to it, it makes no difference in our lives on Monday afternoon. You know what I'm saying? You you see, the the, the problem is, there's an old saying that some of our old timers are going to remember. You can be so heavenly minded that what? That's right. And it makes no difference in your life throughout the week. And what I'm afraid of is that when we read this passage of Scripture found in John chapter 4, verse 35, we see what Jesus is saying about the harvest, but we kind of skip over the phrase. He says, you've heard a phrase. I'm going to be honest with you. The first time I ever heard that phrase was whenever Jesus said it. I I didn't know four months between planting and and harvest. I I don't. I don't walk around and say that. That's not part of my typical vocabulary, not, not, my, not my bank of, of throwaway statements. You know, hey, hey by the way, four, four months till the harvest. You know what I'm saying? I, I, don't, I don't say that. It's, it's not who I am. I, I just kind of wonder, uh, let me see the hands of any farmers that we have in the room. Any, any farmers? Well, okay, three of you. Okay, well, welcome. Thank you for taking time to come to church this morning. See, see, because I know that there's maybe a lot of people that do cattle and everything like that, but, but farmers that are actually bringing crops are, are kind of a different breed. See, what we need to understand is that context is a critical item in this passage of scripture to understand what Jesus is actually saying, speaking to his disciples and, and speaking to us in that moment. Context is critical and understanding context allows us to make sense of the passage context allows us to feel compassion whenever Jesus is saying this context help us helps us to feel compassion I, I remember a time where my wife and I are driving down the street unsafe part of town um, like a block away from where we lived <laughs> I kid you not I told somebody uh, I told somebody one time I said uh, I I was trying to tell them how where I lived, and I said, "You drive until you feel unsafe, and then you drive a little bit further, and that's my house." And they they literally said, "Oh, you live at Sixteenth and Meridian." <laughs> I said, yeah, that's where I that's where we used to live. And and we were driving down the street one day, and we saw a fella pushing a cart. Obviously, looked like he was homeless, and and he he looked like he was having a bad day. He's hot and sweaty, and kind of limping a little bit and, and pushing his cart. And you could tell that all of his stuff was in his cart. He was just having a rough time. And, and he was walking kind of towards us. We were stopped at the intersection. And, and instinctually, I reached up and I, I locked the car door. Because I, I just locked the car door. And Claudia looked at me and she said, he could have heard that. I said, I know, he could have got in. Yeah. <laughs> And that started a conversation that, that as I spoke what my opinion was, I was listening to it with my pastor ears, but I was speaking it with my carnal mind. And I realized that in that moment I was being judgmental towards this person. Now, I'm not saying that you should not lock your car. Don't. I'm not saying that you shouldn't be safe. I'm not saying that you shouldn't be critical in, in situations. But I am saying that in that moment I leaped to a judgmental spirit. And I made the statement, I said, I don't know how somebody will allow themselves to get that far gone when there are so many people and so many ministries, so many organizations willing to help them out, out of that moment. The very next day, I'm driving down the street in that same area, in that same place. It's about, oh, about three quarter of a mile away from my house. We had a blowout. My tire went flat. I went in, I realized that the lug wrench that I had to change my flat tire out wasn't the right lug wrench for that car. I said, I don't want to call the the tow truck. We live less than, I'm going to be back in 10 minutes with the other car, baby. I'm going to have it air conditioned, ready to go. It's 98 degrees. Just leave the car running. I'm going to be back. It's going to be cold. You're going to get in the car. You can take, Take me home, I'll come back, I'll change the tire out. It doesn't have to inconvenience you, but we were on our way to lunch, so I was kinda hungry, I'm gonna be honest with you, this was ruining my plans all kinds of ways. But that's all right. So I got out of the car, I said, hang tight, I'll be back. I I took off walking. I was wearing those cheap, you know, Old Navy sandals. You know what I'm saying? And as I was walking, my sandal broke. (laughs) And now, Now I'm holding my sandal, and I'm kind of like limping a little bit. And it's 98 degrees and I'm I'm starting to sweat. And I turn into some kind of hot mess out there walking. And I got to the very point where I locked that door and I looked around and I realized something. The Lord spoke something very clear to me. And he said this through his Holy Spirit. He says, this is how it happens. That's how it happens. And I realized something in that moment that I was judgmental and I had been been judgmental in my spirit. And I, I remember praying a prayer and asking God's forgiveness for allowing me to be judgmental. May we at Christ's Legacy never forget that we are not harvesters, but we used to also be harvested. We used to be a group of people that needed to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and somebody somewhere decided that they were going to sow in our lives. Somebody somewhere decided that they were going to use the opportunity to speak from where God had given them into us and that we were harvested for the cause of Christ. And that we, our eternal destiny, our eternal home is now in heaven. Come on, somebody shout, say amen. amen. See, context is critical for understanding the compassion that we are to have on a lost and dying world, on this society that needs Jesus, on this society that is confused and torn and doesn't know what to do but knows that there is a problem. We have the answer. We are not confused. We know this world needs Jesus. Jesus. And we can give, it, give him to them. See, context is critical. We sing songs and we forget what they really mean because we sing songs and the words when we sing them don't necessarily make a whole lot of sense when we actually would go out and live it. I mean, we, we sing th- things like, like what we sang this morning, fling, fling wide the doors, lift up the banners, dance through the town, shout to heaven till heaven comes down. We sing that song and I bet you that there's not going to be one person that walks out of this place through the parking lot with their banner dancing through the town until, until heaven comes down. I'm going to be disappointed if I don't see that. I better see some of y'all crazy weirdo Pentecostals dancing through the, mm-hmm. it, by the way, if you didn't know we're a Pentecostal church, welcome. <laughs> Just thought I'd welcome you. See context is critical. Context is critical there are people in this place that would quote a verse like Romans chapter 8 verse 37 that says I am more than a conqueror But that you you don't want any conflict in your life How are you supposed to be a conqueror without any conflict? Somebody needs to think about that for a second context is critical and so Understanding the context whenever Jesus is speaking about the harvest and he says y'all have a saying uh, four months until the harvest, and we don't understand that saying. We don't understand the context. It, it separates us out. We don't understand what he they're trying to see. See, see what what I see is, I, I, I'm not a I'm not a farmer, and so I, I really don't understand this. I, how are how am I supposed to understand the agricultural society when we are an app society? You know what I'm saying? We, we don't understand that. And, and so I need some help from you farmers out there. Any, where's the farmers again? Three. Okay. Oh, okay. You, you know what? If you've been around our church long enough, you, you know that our pastor, our pastor has farming experience. See, when he was a young boy, he, he shared this with me. When he was a young boy, he would join the, the wheat harvest. Isn't that right, pastor? Join the wheat harvest and... And, um, see, whenever I think of the word harvest, (laughs) I think, man, the work is done. And now it's time to enjoy the fruit of the labor, right? Come on, send it, Lord. I'm praying for the harvest. Come on, I need to enjoy this. This is easy. This is awesome. See, Pastor, he would go from here all the way to Canada and all, all the way he would help them go from farm to farm, helping them with the harvest. See, that was nothing but a long vacation for you, wasn't it, Pastor? <laughs> it was just easy. It was just easy. I mean, you know, you just sit there and enjoy everything that that, that, that farmer had put in there. You just sit there and enjoy it, didn't you? Child's play, he says. It says child's play. See, what I, I didn't understand as just a regular person, not a, not a farmer, is that this, this harvest business is, is not sit back and enjoy it. We want to sit back and enjoy that harvest. We pray that the Lord would send the harvest to Christ's legacy. We pray that, that this event that we're about to do on Friday night, we call it the Harvest Festival, Harvest Fest. And we pray that God would send in these folks to our church so that we would have an opportunity to reach their kids, to reach their families, to reach their grandparents with the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. So send them Lord, help us enjoy growing our church. But see, that's not what harvest is all about. That's not what harvest is all about. We've got a wrong understanding of harvest. See, what I understand about harvest from hearing it from Pastor Brooks is that the harvest is the most difficult time of farming. It's the most difficult. It's the part of farming that is filled with the most work. When we pray that God would send the harvest, we're actually praying that God would give us additional roles and additional responsibilities and additional power so that we could get into the field, get into the community, get get to work, roll up our sleeves and do what he's been calling us to do all this time. We're praying that God would come in a powerful way. You see that the harvest, the crops aren't gonna harvest themselves. You think about that. As a farmer, you plant, you sow, you water, you mend fences, you tend the field, you take care of it, you you shoo away the predators. You don't shoo them away, you shoot them. I'm in Oklahoma, come on. And you wait because you know that your time in harvest, the time where you're gonna have to work the hardest to get the to get the fruit of your labor is coming. And so Jesus in this passage is saying that you, you got to work hard to work hard. You got to work hard to get to the point that you're going to work hard. Four months between planting and harvest, you feel like you're working hard now, but you just wait, sucker. It's coming. It's coming. But I want to I want to take a moment right now to look at the context within the context of what Jesus is actually saying in this passage. Because what you may not be aware of is that in the context, Jesus is speaking to his disciples just after he spoke to the woman at the well. He crossed over in Samaria. He found this woman sitting at the well. He begins to speak to her. He witnesses to her. the woman runs into her community of Sichar. We know this from verse 39, but the woman runs into the community in Sichar and says, come see a man that told me all about my life. Could he be the Christ? And then at that very moment, people started coming out of their homes, out of their businesses, coming into the streets and walking up that long hill to the well because they wanted to see what this woman was talking about. And at that very moment, scholars believe that Jesus looked at his disciples and then looked out at that hill that was starting to flood with people and said, Look, wake up. I'm not talking about planting and sowing right now. I'm talking about the harvest. It is coming and it is here. It is not on its way. It is on us. That's the context that Jesus was speaking in that moment. The harvest is coming and it's even here now. See, if you turn with me over a few pages to chapter 6, we see Jesus and his disciples, they're tired after ministry. They're tired after performing miracles, after Jesus is performing miracles. They're they're worn out. Jesus is preaching six hours, seven hours, eight hours, nine hours a day. Y'all better be thankful. We're getting out before noon. God willing. Well, I guess that depends on y'all, doesn't it? (laughs) Jesus is tired, and he needs some time with his disciples. He just found out that John the Baptist had been beheaded. Things were starting to get hot, and so he came up, and he started to boat across the Sea of Galilee, the, the, the Sea of Tiberias, later to be known. And he finds his way to this emptier, more rural place. He says, Let, let's, boys, let's go out to the country. We need to get a look." alone. We need to rest. We need to recuperate. I want to talk to you. I want to just be with you for a little while. And he starts up a hill and he looks over and he sees a crowd. Now, whenever I say a crowd, I'm not talking about an Oklahoma quarantine crowd, okay? I, I, I'm not just talking about an Easter Sunday crowd, all right? That, that's not the kind of crowd that I'm talking about. The Bible says In this passage of scripture, we're we're seeing that Jesus fed the 5,000. But if we look at it, Jesus is not just feeding 5,000. That was their way of of counting back then. They would only count the men. That that would be a representative of the families that were there. Scholars estimate conservatively that it was actually more like 20,000 people. Now, whenever I think of 20,000 people, my head breaks a little bit because I don't understand what that crowd looks like. So I'm trying to figure out how to represent 20,000 people to you. Any, any Paycom employees in the room right now? There's one. I'm looking. Come on, shout out Paycom. We all know you're crazy. Come on. Woo! <laughs> Paycom employees. The Paycom Center it used to be Chesapeake. Arena, Paycom Center, seats eighteen thousand two hundred and three. Wouldn't you be? Wouldn't you hate to be that guy that walked around and be like eighteen thousand two hundred and one? Get to the third. Jesus sees a sold-out NBA crowd walking towards him. In that moment. He's tired, he's been working, he's been preaching, he's been ministering, his disciples have been organizing, they have been trying to control the crowds. They are worn thin, they're hungry, they need food themselves. (laughs) But Jesus sees the crowd. But more importantly, the Bible tells us that Jesus sees the need, we see that in Mark. He sees the need, he felt compassion on these folks. He knew that the people were hungry, but they had a deeper spiritual hunger. It was more than just food. They needed to know God. And he knew that it was a hunger that only the bread of life, he himself, in that moment, could meet. Aren't you glad that when you were coming towards Jesus, Jesus didn't push you aside? Uh, Aren't you glad that when you were hungry... He was there, and he fed you, and he clothed you, and he picked you up out of that sin and out of that habit and out of that out of that sinful life. He redeemed you and he restored you and he created you to be a new person. In that moment, he had compassion on us all. And we read in John chapter six, verse five: Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to him and look for, looking for him. I love this part. Turning to Philip, he asked, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? He was testing Philip. Somebody say testing. He was testing Philip, for he already knew what he was going to do. (laughs) Isn't that great? Jesus is trolling Philip. He, he He is knowingly putting a question that would inflame him, that would cause him distress or worry or concern. In that moment, he turns to Philip and he says, we're you about to buy bread that it's going to be feed uh, 20,000 people right now. <laughs> I mean, isn't that wonderful that God created us in, our, in his image? Especially women, because see, trick question, right? <laughs> Girls are created in the image of God. And they have that ability to ask that, those trick questions that get you in trouble no matter how you answer them. You're like, isn't she pretty? And you're like, I don't know what to say. Does this dress make me look fat? The answer is no. (laughs) Trick questions. Trick questions. And here Jesus is asking that trick question. He's asking him, even though he already had an idea Of what he wanted to do. He knew what his intention was. I I don't have this in my notes, but I I am glad. I'm glad that Jesus doesn't rely on our own wisdom and understanding on how to deal with our problem. Anybody ever pray and ask the Lord, God, would you just do something? And you start telling God exactly how you want to answer the problem. Like, God, please let Walmart be open all night tonight with 20,000 loaves of bread. So we can feed these folks. I I want you to know, I live in a city 2,000 years later, and I have no idea how to feed 20,000 people with bread right now on the spot. I don't even know who to call right off. I have to Google that. (laughs) I'm glad that Jesus doesn't rely on our own wisdom and understanding to solve our problems. Remember, he is coming to Philip with this question. But in this moment, in this moment, maybe Jesus is coming to Philip because Jesus is familiar with the area. It's his hometown, just next to in Bethsaida. And 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 if anybody's going to know where to open, where you can buy twenty thousand people bread, it's going to be Philip. But Philip doesn't know the answer. He 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 doesn't know the answer. Remember. If you want to see a miracle in your life, you have to start with a mess. Some of y'all need to hear that this morning. If you want that miracle, it's going to happen in the midst of your mess. Miracles happen when you and everyone else around you know what needs to happen. But the need is impossible to meet because that's when the Lord receives his glory. John chapter six, verse seven says, Philip replied, even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. Even if we worked for months, we couldn't feed them. Some some gospels write, Lord, we'd have to work for over half a year to get enough money to buy bread for them to have one bite (laughs) apiece. It's not quite a meal. Then Andrew, verse 8, Simon Peter's brother spoke up. There's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. But what good is that with this huge crowd? As Jesus saw this crowd coming and he saw the problem, I can just imagine that Jesus... As these disciples are saying, Jesus, just send them away. And Jesus, just like he did in John chapter 4, is saying, guys, look around you, the harvest. The harvest is now. I know you're tired, boys, but it's time to work. It's time to work. See, I love Philip because... Philip is one of those analytical people. He, he's the one that calculated it out. He said, God, or Jesus, it's going to take us a long time to work to try to feed these people. You can't, we can't even, we don't have enough money. We don't have enough resources. He put that thing in his phone. He calculated it out. He spit out that information. Some of y'all are like Philip. You, you know what I'm talking about? You have already crunched the numbers. You have already done the math. And you don't have enough. You have tried to save, you've tried to budget, you've tried to do all the work, but you know that you need a miracle in this moment. And you have specifically calculated out and told the Lord what you need. You're good at planning, you're good at numbers, you're good at math, you're good at at, at programming things out. And you can tell the Lord all about it. I love you people because that's not me. I try to be y'all. But whenever I start calculating, whenever I start planning, whenever I start programming, I'm like, mm, my head gets, my, I, I break down. I said, it's just a lot. It's just, you know, a lot. But then, but then there's Andrew. I love Andrew, too, because that, that's like me. That's like me. Well, what are you guys doing trying to calculate things out when there's work to be done? And he starts going through the crowd. Hey, anybody got a lunch in here? Come on up. Come here, you, 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 come here. And he starts pulling this little kid. The little kid is like, what is going on with, with this? He said, let me see that sack lunch. The little kid said, it's mine. No, 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 let me see that lunch. The little kid opens that lunch box and he sees there's five barley loaves and two fish. Now, barley loaves, see, we think of a loaf, but these are more like small crackers, more like small crackers, and and then two fish. And barley loaves were actually the bread of the poor. It wasn't rich bread, it was poor bread. This was the wonder bread of Jesus' day. (laughs) And Andrew walks up, he says, Jesus, look, they're sitting there trying to calculate that out. I went to work. I went through the crowd. I found you some food. I got enough snack packs for you. Well, we can't feed this crowd. Here, Jesus, here. Man of action. Some of us are like that, aren't we? When there's work to be done, we're not afraid of the work. We roll up our sleeves. We get to it. We start working hard, looking for the answer, and we, we do the best we can. We try to, we try to work so hard and allow God to see us work. And we just expect that our ability and our own effort is gonna be what gets us out of this problem, this situation, this is gonna be the solution for our lives. But God is looking at you and looking at your work and he wants to tell you this morning that there is no amount of work that's gonna replace his Holy Spirit moving and interacting on your life this morning. There's some of you that need to just calm down and trust the Lord for once. Trust the Lord with your problem. not enough resources, not enough people, not enough money, not enough help, not enough time, not enough in your own ability. but I praise God that He is more than enough because right now oh man right now I'm getting excited because I know what I'm about to say y'all don't know yet <laughs> because I know what I what I believe see both. Andrew and Philip are looking at the problem and they forgot that they're staring at the answer and the answer is Jesus Christ. When you trust him with anything that you have, he is more than enough. He is the bread of life that can meet every need. I know that no matter how little that you have, no matter what you've got, when you give it to him, he is able to multiply it, not only to bless you but to bless others through you when you are willing that's when you see a miracle. That's when you see a harvest in your life. We continue to read in verse 10. Tell everyone to sit down, Jesus said. So they all sat down on the grassy slopes. The men alone numbered about 5,000. Now listen, watch this. Then Jesus took the loaves and gave thanks to God and distributed it to the, to the people. After he did the same with the fish, and they all ate as much as they wanted That must have been some prayer, you know what I'm saying? I mean, how long do you have to pray to get Jesus to multiply, to feed 5,000? This is, this is an incredible moment. But what was Jesus's prayer? Well, what did he pray to get God to hear him? To, to break that, to hand it off, and to go from feeding a small, young boy to feeding 20,000 people. Must have had an hour prayer service. Got out the anointing oil. Ran out of that, got the Crisco, and started pouring it everywhere. That's not what happened. Being a rabbi, Jesus probably prayed, most, more than likely prayed, prayed a rabbinical prayer. He, he prayed a prayer over the blessing of breaking bread. It's called the Hamazi prayer. Blessed. Are you, Adonai, our God, sovereign of all, who brings forth bread from the earth? Amen. That's it? Are you kidding me? I can imagine the disciples going up to Jesus and saying, hey, Jesus, here you go. <laughs> I'll take it. But hey, uh, you might need to pray a little bit more over this. You know, You didn't even ask God to multiply. I mean, Jesus, what are you doing? I mean, mean, these people are really depending on you. This is really important, Jesus. I want to tell you something this morning that whatever you're going through, it's not harder than Jesus can handle. This is really important. I want you to hear what I'm about to say. He is able to bring bread out of the earth. He is able to speak words into your life and into your family's life that make a difference, that heal the body, that heal the mind, that heal the relationships, that heals your finances. You see, you see I, want to, I want you to understand this morning that the same God that stood in nothing and spoken to nothing and created everything is able to speak into your life and bring forth a miracle and bring bread out of the earth and bring you into healing and bring you into right relationship with him. Somebody shout and give God the praise this morning for what he is able to do in the hearts and lives of the people that he's willing to bless. You see, verse 11 tells us that the bread was distributed, but Matthew, Mark, and Luke, I want you to understand this. This is the only miracle that is accounted for in all four Gospels. Besides the resurrection of Christ. Imagine this with me this morning. This is so important. This is so pivotal. That all four gospel writers wanted you to know about it. There's a reason. Many of the miracles that Jesus did were regenerative miracles. Where he would cause the blind to see. And the lame to walk and heal the leper. Many of the other miracles were, were miracles where Jesus would, would speak and prophesy and it would be done. Other miracles, Jesus did. But, but this miracle is important because this is a miracle of creation. This is a miracle where Jesus is showing his divinity. Where he has the power to speak and allow things be created out of nothing but this is also important because this shows that Jesus is willing to perform the miracle not by his hands but through the hands of his people because as he broke the bread and he handed it over to his disciples it's when the disciples passed it out that it multiplied some of you are here this morning And you say, it's not enough. I don't have enough. But I wanted to let you know that Jesus is more than enough. He's more than enough. Are you telling me, preacher, that if I don't have enough time, that I'm supposed to give God more time? Are, are, are you saying that if I don't have enough money, I'm supposed to give God tithe? Let me tell you something. You can't afford not to pay your tithe. Uh, are, you, are you telling me that, that if I don't feel love, that I'm supposed to stand up and love in spite of the love that I don't feel? Yeah. Because God put it inside me wants to bless others through you because when you trust God with the thing that you don't have, he takes it. He puts it back in your hands and it's multiplied out. And it's more than enough. You see, that more than enough is important because you need to understand that when the disciples gave it out and not only multiplied out of their hands, but they sent baskets back out and they picked up enough for 12 baskets full. Now some scholars think that the 12 baskets was a symbol of the 12 tribes and and designates Jesus as being the the Messiah, the Christ, able to to bring salvation through the Jews. But I wanna tell you something. I, I think something a little bit more simple. See, the disciples were hungry and they had been working and they had been serving and they were tired and they saw the crowd eat more than what they could and Jesus wanted to show them that when you serve, when you give, even the stuff that you don't have and you just give it to the Lord and trust Him, they got a basket for each. What is it that you need this morning? What is it in your life that you've been praying and saying, God, I can't do this on my own. I need you. I need you, Lord. I need you. Church, our town has thousands of hungry people that need to hear the word of God so that they can make sense of this culture, this society, this godlessness that they see all around them. Jesus Christ is that gospel just like Jesus told his disciples he would tell us today to to look out to wake up and see this community as the harvest that he has promised us that it's time for us to roll up our sleeves and get to work that no matter how empty how dead how hungry you feel when you serve the Lord that he will multiply not only to meet your needs but to meet the needs of your family and your friends and your neighbors and this community and our culture and impact the society and this nation because this nation needs salvation like it's never needed it before. It needs the light of the gospel to shine on it so that whatever is occurring, whatever spirit is here would be removed and we can be restored as a people of God. All around this church, whatever you give to the Lord, it will be multiplied out to bless other people with it.